This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. And here we go. I'm hoping this is working because I have no idea if it is or not. (laughs) Welcome, everybody. Uh, I apologize if you see some lower quality or if there's some some issues with uh, with uh, frames and stuff like that. It's just because I had to I've had to scramble in the last minute to fix some things. But um, so I apologize on that one. But welcome to the captain's table. My name is Paul Berserker, one Batman Shelley, your humble host and space bartender at the Astro Pub and your moderator here at uh, the captain's table this is where i bring people from all over the star citizen universe to talk about star citizen most of the time um so let's get starting with um uh, audio levels may need a touch uh okay we'll do a quick audio uh nick who are you what do you do in star citizen and where can they find you hey it's nick you can find me at twitch tv slash hey it's nick or twitter verse uh, or even if you just go probably go to any streamers i'm probably playing with them <laughs> so i'm uh i'm kind of all over the uh the community and uh spread throughout and sprinkled awesome um and uh a new face uh drew wager I say yeah, right? yeah, you got it right. Well got done. It right. Okay. <laughs> Drew Wager, who are you? What do you do in Star Citizen and where can they find you? Okay, so um, my, primarily I am a science fiction and a fantasy author. That's my kind of day job. And uh, I've recently started playing Star Citizen in the last couple of months. I've uh, been very impressed. Uh, and you can find me online with pretty much any social anything.com forward slash Drew Wager. It's the easiest way to find me. I'm not very imaginative when it comes to internet handles, I'm afraid. Ah, awesome. Uh, all right, let's, let's, let's get started with Drew because, uh, this was originally going to be a little bit different, but we had some, uh, this has been nothing but te- technical issues the, the day for me and also other things going wrong. So, um, the, the, the gremlins have gotten into everything and I am now trying to figure out how to fix it. So I apologize if things go a little awry or if things seem a little off, but this is how it is. Drew. So I carry a gremlin off my boot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can you restart your video, Nick? Because it seems like you're, you're desynced a little bit. Oh yeah. I can uh, restart. Is that Hope better? That fixed. No, it's not. But we'll just live with it. So I apologize if you if you're having the if you hear the audio is is off desynced and that kind of stuff. This it used to be worse. Trust me, that this one. Um. So true. Um. People ask me to get to, to bring you on. Um. For 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 many different reasons, and uh, uh, I've been re- looking for a reason to get you on and an excuse. And so I finally was able to get you on, and I and I wanted to 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 like talk with you about stuff. Um. But let's first off, let's talk a little bit about who you are in terms of uh, your profession outside of just streaming and doing content creation as well. Okay, so um, I've I I guess I've been a writer uh, kind of professionally since um, about 2006. That's when I published my first novel. Um, I was doing sort of um, not particularly great fan fiction and stuff before that, kind of in my teenage years and all kind of things, as you do, you know, because you, you know, huge huge science fiction fan and stuff ever since i was 
yeah, yay high to a grasshopper. But um, so, yeah, so writing is kind of my thing. Uh, always been a huge science fiction fan ever since I can remember. I kind of grew up with Arthur C. Clarke and Jules Verne, all those kind of things. Um, and then as computers have basically just got better, um, you know, the computer games that surrounded them have, have been a massive source of inspiration and also kind of escapism for, for that. Um, um, yeah, a lot of people will know me through the stuff that I did with Elite, uh, of course. Um, and that is mostly down to the fact... I was, I was a big fan of the original game, which came out in 1984. Uh, played it as a teenager. Made a big impression on me. Um, I played, you know, the Wing Commander series in the 90s. Um, you know, again, absolutely enjoyed those. And then when Elite came back in uh, as a Kickstarter, which I think was pretty much at the same time as the, the start system ones i recall yeah um i got involved with the um uh, the game at that point uh, and the, the reason for my involvement really was because um i, I pinged a uh, slightly cheeky email to david braben who's the ceo of frontier development uh saying oh you've got a new game coming out is there any chance to audition for a novel <laughs> because the old games came with novels will the new one um I didn't immediately get a response to that, but almost straight away the following day on their Kickstarter suddenly appeared this pledge award for write your own novel, um, but it's going to cost you four and a half grand. Uh, and I didn't, <laughs> I didn't have four and a half grand. And this is, this is UK pounds. Okay. So it's probably yeah. even more in dollars. Um, I didn't have four and a half grand around just sort of lying around speculatively. So uh, one of my friends suggested, why don't you start a Kickstarter of your own to fund the other Kickstarters pledge? <laughs> So it got a bit crazy for a while, but it did actually work. Uh, so I ran a successful Kickstarter, which was only aiming to get a pledge for another Kickstarter. Um, that worked. It snowballed a little bit from there. And then suddenly the Elite Kickstarter was successful. My Kickstarter was successful. And I was writing an official novel for, for the game. So that's it was, it was a bit, a bit, bit strange, but that's how it basically kicked off. Nice. And um, what's the name of that novel for those who, for anybody who wants to, to, to check it out themselves? That's that's called Elite Reclamation. You you can find it kind of you know, well actually it's still in the Frontier store, I think. Um I think you can get it through Amazon and, and various other places as well. It's 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 fairly widespread by now. Nice. Um now you're working with, with Elite. Was that the only thing you did or do you work with anything else anything else with, with uh with the Frontier guys or it was just Elite, yeah. Just oh, elite. Yeah. I mean it's Elite's probably the only game that they have in their um catalogue if you like that's kind of got a law stroke narrative focus most of the mm. others are sort of simulation park management type games so they don't really have a story as such did you work do you just do the novel or did you help them out with any other thing any other kind of the narrative stuff they were doing with any of the releases no i wrote quite a few of the early missions in the game so um there was there's one particular one that i was quite proud of where you have to smuggle some slightly dodgy green plants around the universe um <laughs> Various other bits and pieces like that, and and I did organise um, a, a series of events in the game as well, um, you know, with, with with various different kind of things. Introduced some characters in there, and quite a few of the star systems and some of the description behind the star systems and some of the background to those star systems, i.e., events that happened. Uh, I wrote some of that, and uh, that got inserted into the game as well. So there's a whole bunch of. Uh, they they basically call them tourist beacons now. They weren't they weren't originally called tourist beacons. They were sort of POIs, but now they're slightly historical. So they've almost been turned into um, you know, places you can go and visit and read about what happened back in the back in the day. Nice. Uh, just just overall your experience with uh, with with Elite because I've heard like nothing but glowing like like when 
when people realize you're doing Star Citizen, I, I can't tell you how many people, because uh, many people who watch this, and, and I think you know is that I, I do lore stuff. I do a lot of lore yes. stuff for Star Citizen. Um, not as an official capacity, it's just a, as a fan sort of thing. And um, everyone's like, you need to bring Drew onto the captain's table and talk about lore and all these sorts of things. Um, but I, I, just as a curious thing, because maybe, maybe people may not know this, what was the process? What's the process upon which you, you wrote some of these missions was, did, 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 uh, or any of these kind of events? Did they come to you and say, hey, Drew, we've got X number of missions that, you know, this is the, the whole thing. You, can you please write the lore behind it? Or was it like you came up with the missions and they were like, ah, cool. And then they kind of went, went off and kind of made it themselves. What was that process like? So early on, the um, when, when the game was being composed back in, I think it was 2012. Uh, so we basically were um, asked to write the first series of books in advance of the game launching so the, the books were ready to kind of go the moment the game was kind of available as a, a retail product. Um, so in the year of sort of 18 months prior to the game uh, launching and basically in this major development phase for the kind of version one, there was a bunch of law guides that were put together by various people which covered um, you know, the political entities, the technology, the kind of galactic police, um, mm -hmm. you know, some of the aliens. Um, um, and various other bits and pieces, how the ships worked and the sort of technology that was involved and the kind of weapons that they could use, all that kind of stuff, the background law, basically. Mm. Um, now, that stuff was never made public, but the writers had access to it. And, you know, we, we argue back and forth about a few things because there's one particular bit I really don't like about the elite law, which was that they don't allow anti-gravity. Yeah. <laughs> which is really yeah. awkward. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that aside, there was a few things that we did get to change. One of the big ones was um, uh, elite was originally going to use something called micro jumping uh, which is basically you know you, you'd be able to jump around solar systems to particular kind of points of interest in the solar systems um and the you know the, the kind of consensus there was actually no, we don't like that that's not really how elite works you know you want to travel there um and so we ended up with this concept called super cruise uh, and the frame shift drive which was an outcome of uh, you know of, of, of some of that early law work so there was a, a lot of kind of um, toing and froing. Now, Frontier always had the kind of, yes, okay, we've heard you, but we're going to do this. So they always had the ultimate sign-off on things. So, yeah, feedback was taken, but it wasn't, uh, it was never much a case of we forced anything through. That that never happened. Yeah. <laughs> it was always, no, thank you for the suggestion. We might take that on board. And sometimes they did, but most of the time they didn't. They had a pretty clear idea of what they were trying to do. Um, but once that had sort of been established, we were able to base our stories on it. And then they basically came back to us and said, stuff from your stories we want to include in the game. Have you got kind of um, ideas for that? Um, and I wanted a, a sort of mysterious boundary in space beyond which, you know, there were tales of, you know, spaceships that had gone out there and hadn't come back and kind of mystery stuff that would entice players to go out and explore and hopefully run into trouble, that kind of stuff. And so I embedded um, themes of that in my first book. And then Frontier were able to put aspects of that in the game and develop it over time. So there, there was um, a bit of toing and froing between the original set of books, which kind of gave clues that there might be something in the game for you to go and look at. And then the game would then respond um, with little clues and stuff to go and find, which you could then follow up later on in the books. So it was, it was, it, it kind of went in both directions. It was quite good fun. Nice. So. So, so like that sounds kind of awesome. Like what you're telling me is that you and the writing team created frame shift drives, which is pretty much. So a... the, the, yeah. So there was a there was a there was a there was a group inside Elite called the DDF, 
which mm. originally stood for the Design Decision Forum, and then was slightly changed the Design Discussion Forum, mm-hmm. <laughs> which, which I think was just to clarify things a bit. So in combination with them um, and you know, and a lot of the writers' feedback about you know, how does this work, where does this planet come from, what's the backstory to this planet, all those sort of things, um, those were all sort of things that were included in. So uh, you know, the Frameshift Drive is one that jumps out to me as a major change to the game that you know the writing community and the, and this design decision forum that were basically uh, very high level pledges on the original Kickstarter were able to basically say um, no actually Frontier we, you really need to do it this way because that's going to be more elite than, uh, mm. than the, the proposal you've got uh, and it just jumps out as one of those things that actually did get changed as a result of, of, of all the feedback. That's awesome that's awesome yeah that's 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 uh, I'm just I'm thinking like the frame shift drive is 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 iconic in the uh in the elite dangerous community now because the you friendship drive everywhere yeah. everywhere yeah. throughout the Fr- game you hear french and also friendship the, the drive charging friendship yeah, drives right. charging friendship drive charging yeah <laughs> and I, as a former you know as a beta backer for elite myself back in the day with w- that whole thing i remember uh many times being nearly destroyed and being like hearing friendship dr- friendship drive charging and then like no you don't have you have too much power in your weapons or your shields i'm like you do hit the buttons they can go away oh, yeah, maybe, yeah, so yeah. so, so i might be so in my brain, frame shift drive is 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 up there with like you know like things are exploding and everything's on fire and it's frame shift drive charging. I'm desperately pushing buttons. So that's right. that's you got a very very, very laid back lady's voice basically saying your yeah. frame shift drive is charging. Yeah, <laughs> is like, fire. I'm yeah. getting shot at. I need to get away from here. Stop charging and go. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. yeah. Um. Right. Well, I, there were there were a, there were a lot of discussions about the name for that actually because um, you know particularly early on uh, one of the, uh, the the main executive developer for um, sorry the executive producer for Elite uh, it was a chap by the name of Michael Brooks uh, who still works at Frontier but he's not involved with Elite now um, and he was very very keen on strong scientific accuracy or at least plausible scientific accuracy for the game so you know he wanted to differentiate it from kind of warp drive and impulse drive and hyperspace as sort of generic ways of traveling through space and come up with something slightly different so frame shifting is is kind of you know your the idea that your spaceship is in, is locked inside some sort of inertial reference point which is then being moved through space so that your local frame of reference doesn't experience inertia is kind of where the frame shift drive comes from if that makes you're sense. shifting the frame of space to another location <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah so inside the frame shift envelope or whatever it is your ship doesn't experience acceleration which is why you don't get splatted on the back of the uh, you know the canopy as you're accelerating which is why you can go which beyond ones, beyond light speed with with frame shift because it's uh exactly. it's moving it's yep. more of a build up that's pretty cool yeah um you said you're also you write uh, you write other novels um what what um have any of your novels taken because you obviously have been playing games since you were a teenager uh is there any of your other novels taken uh taking uh uh, I don't know how to say it. it's not taken inspiration, I guess. Inspiration, yeah. So, I'm, in gaming, absolutely has actually. Oddly enough, um, I was, um, uh, my, my major, my major gaming actually, I suppose, took place in my teenage years, and I was, a uh, you know, the age I am, um, uh, some of the older viewers will probably remember um, computers like the Commodore 64 and the ZX Spectrum. Um, and so I was a, I was a ZX Spectrum uh, guy, and there were two really cool games on the ZX Spectrum, one of which was Elite, uh, and the other one was a game called Lords of Midnight, which is a sort of um, RPG-type game. Mm-hmm. And I, 
I've been fortunate enough to work with the IP holders of that series as well to novelize those. Now, they're completely different. They're not in the space genre at all, but they're, they're kind of a pure fantasy series. Um, so I'm, I've got four books to do. I've done two of them. I released the last one at the end of last year. So um, that's a nice change because it's total fantasy. It's all magic and spells and yeah. you know, dark wizards and all that sort of stuff. So <laughs> I, do get to, I do get to play with different genres, which is good. But yeah, so that's another one that's um, another set of game novelizations that I'm involved in. Nice. Um, now, let's get to the, to the bread and butter about Star Citizen, because I am interested in hearing your story, your, your, uh, your, your experience with Star Citizen. I know you played Wing Commander. Did you play Freelancer when that first came out or, uh, or Privateer I, or any of those I, games? I, <laughs> Freelancer is one of those games that I bought at the time, and I've still got the disc, and I, 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 dare I say it, I haven't played it. Played it? <laughs> I've, I've got it, actually. Yeah. Since I've never got round to it. So it is on my list. I'm, kind of, I'm currently running a kind of streaming session on Saturday mornings where I, I do a retro playthrough. We're currently in the middle of Wing Commander 4, and I do intend to get to Freelancer, but it's not a game I've played yet. No. Okay. Did you play Privateer when that came out? No, I missed that one as well. Okay. On my list. It was literally the Wing Commander series that I remember most of, yeah. Um, so, so you came in with, into Star Citizen with like you, the Chris, Chris Roberts games being Wing Commander. Um, yes, so that's what, kind of my background, yeah. What's, what's your experience so far with, with Star Citizen, you know, and, and you can compare it to other space games, Elite, uh, whatever, whatever kind of things, like what, what is your overall take so far? The first thing that I think jumped out at me was how much more of a kind of hermetically sealed universe Star Citizen is than any other game I've ever played. So it's way closer to the experience of, let's say, being a, a, a person inside Star Wars or inside mm. Star Trek. It's, it feels so much more like a place that actually kind of matters um, because all the environments are so diverse. I mean, I, I ended up in, I think it's Orison. Is that the one that's floating in the the clouds yeah, i'm not very good on the names yet sorry uh, i am learning them uh, that's where i started and um because it just sounded the most interesting place when i kind of clicked down the list and i just remember being staggered that i could walk around and i think uh, i've got it on one of my streams where i first get into one of the little air cars that travels you around the very yeah. different locations and you know you the fact i could just step off the platform the doors open i could walk into this transport the doors close behind me and then the transport went off and I was still in it, kind of just looking around, gobsmacked. I suddenly felt I, this is this is the experience of space games that I've always wanted to have. The fact that I can just walk around and interact with the, with the world in a way that I want to. If I don't want to catch that train, I can wait and catch the next one, you know, and it kind of that's cool in a way that's it's it's not pew pew. It's not space combat. It's not doing a mission. It's just being there. And the sense of being there is. Yeah, to me as a writer, is the sort of thing I strive to catch in a book. And so the fact the game was giving me that, to me, was a, a brand new experience, which I've never really come across in any game before. So that, that was really a powerful thing. Nice. Um, any, anything else do you, that kind of pops out to you from, from, from Star Citizen? I know, you, I, knew, I know you're a fellow uh, uh, Drake lover, a, a fellow yes. Cutlass lover. So. Yes. Um, <laughs> Uh, what, what is your what is your experience with the Cutlass so far? Because like I, I, I've been interested in this. I, th I think the Cutlass. The, the reason the Cutlass jumped out at me the moment I started looking through the kind of entry level ish ships 
was it, it's just got a firefly vibe and i absolutely adore that show right okay so mm. you know the whole shiny and let's be bad guys kind of thing <laughs> it just um and i love the you know some of the the witty dialogue in that show and all that stuff and the, and the ship the fact that, that had that rear opening hatch that just you can punch the button on the side and it comes down and then you you climb up the hatch you press the hatch and the hatch closes behind you and then you chomp off through the ship to go and do your mission that just sold me straight away because um the fact that i felt instantly a connection with the ship this is this is my old piece of junk that i'm flying through the universe and the fact it's just got that hatch at the back <laughs> just it was just brilliant i did it, it i just fell in love with that whole um idea of being able to take a, a junky old ship go anywhere run some missions and then when i want to i can land some pretty place lower the hatch and just kind of chill out on the back of the ship with a barbecue maybe <laughs> that's, that's kind of what i've always wanted to do in the space game it just felt so um almost joyous it's, it's quite hard to describe actually the fact that i had this spaceship that actually felt like a real spaceship for the first time because there aren't any other games that really give you that sense of just hanging around in your ship just because you know for the sheer hell of hanging around in your ship um it's always a a menu to another thing or it's a menu to this or you know there's mm-hmm. limited things you can do you can look around the cockpit but you can't do much else but the idea of being able to walk through the back of the ship and just chill out of the back of the ship as the ramp comes down and just there's a new alien planet absolutely fabulous priceless experience um uh, one of my favorite experiences of the of uh, way of describing it uh, the, the the cutlass is how the uh, the pilot described it which is uh the cutlass is a bastard it it will make you fall in love with it and you'll sit there and go like man this thing is so great it can do everything and then it just careens you into a planet as you're trying to pull out and it's just like nope i'm not gonna work today um and and it looks like it it does, like, it does it, have a few foibles doesn't it yeah yeah it's got uh, character that's it it's got yeah. character yeah well the, the best part about it is is um from the lore side of things is the the company drake and and the, and the cutlass itself is uh they're that's basically them they're an outsiding group outsider group that just started in the last hundred years uh, of, of development. Um, they came out with this ship that was supposed to be for the Navy and the Navy was just like, no. And so they said, we're going to be rebel and sell it anyways. And it, they sold it like crazy because it was really, really worked really, really well. But they basically advertised it's like too cool for the Navy. And so the Navy hates them. And every time they try to, they try to, they try to like win a contest or win a, win a bid for the Navy, Navy contracts. Navy just like, no, because all they do is take the cutlass and then turn it into something different. It's like all Drake ships are just cutlasses, but with extra bits, with extra bits or <laughs> less bits, and yep. that's what I love about Drake and, and and overall is like and and especially the cutlass. The cutlass is like it it just screams. We're a small group of people who built a ship that works. Safety is not something we care about. We just want to, we want you to get from point A to yep. point B. Exposed wires, you know, insulation, everything. It's like whatever. You're not paying for for lecture. You're paying to get to, to point A to point B, and we'll make sure you get there. Which is, yep. it's kind of cool. Yeah. So I like that, that whole old old junker type yeah. feel to the ship. Yeah, you know, it's just about holding itself together. It's got no frills. It's just a, you know, a really basic gritty sort of ship. It just appeals to me. I like that. <laughs> yeah, the, the ship really gives that vibe of that. You're really just like living in that ship and. It's a piece of junk, but like you, you're like swapping things in and out. You have those wires there because you need them there because that might break down and you need quick access to it. And you just need to like keep it together so you can get from point A to point B. And that's something that like yeah. I feel like a lot of space games are just like, no, this is all clean, all new. Things don't break. Mm-hmm. But Drake's taking it to like, no, 
you this is like a mechanics car that they're just keeping together running and it shouldn't be running. <laughs> I was say, say even even the audio, like when you get into the, an atmosphere with it, if you fly into atmosphere, you can hear it go rumble, 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 rumble. like like yeah. it's just hitting the air and shaking. And um, the the audio they have now, which sounds kind of like a like a like a rotary prop engine that comes out, just just this low hmm as the ship is shaking slow, right. very yeah. very slowly as it goes through. It's like ah, I don't know, I like it. Um, and I've also heard that you haven't seen all the big ships yet. No, um, I've seen a few of them. Um, the the Soul Citizen guys were very kind to join me on my stream the other week and give me a tour. Uh, of some ships which i'm afraid i've already forgotten the name of but there was there was a caterpillar one from drake which was quite cool and there was um um one enormous huge thing that looked like the um eight the, the drop ship from aliens uh which they the haven't showed me the inside of yet because that would have taken like the entire stream apparently that was that was enormous um and then an exploration vessel which i began with c i think i can't remember not very up on the the carrot, the carrot, that was it. Yes, so that one, that one was lovely. And they even let me fly it, which was very, very brave of them. Um, but um, so yeah, so some some totally beautiful different types of ship interiors. Um, yeah, obviously much much bigger than the um, the Cutlass back I've been flying around in, but very very impressive, very very impressive. You should uh, at least get someone to at least show you an uh, an eight ninety jump because it's uh, it's literally a a space yacht and it is the size of a space yacht. It is huge. Um, okay. Oh, so if you take part in Xeno Threat, you would see two bigger ships from at least the outside. Yeah. So at some point. Um, I wish I could me, try that, yeah. Give me one moment. Uh, so uh, last question before we kind of move on to kind of more discussions, just general discussions for you, Drew, uh, is what is your, you know, your kind of initial impressions? Uh, what do you think Star Citizen does in in terms of like gaming or in terms of like the science science fiction genre that's makes it unique compared to other uh, other things, if anything? What makes it unique? I think, um, at least in your opinion, your, your experience. Yeah, yeah, that's no, a good question. It's a good question. Um, I I think it's it's capturing a a level of immersion. It, it, that is much you know that's an overused word nowadays in gaming mm-hmm. but um it, it captures a level of emotion for the player looking at it that i've not experienced in any other game even even you know big mmos like um you know elite and, and other things like that um the sense of um i suppose grandeur and also the realism and attention to detail that's in the game is is unprecedented in anything else that I've ever come across. So um, I'm I'm looking at it from a perspective of you know the sort of things that I as a writer would like to see in a space game. Mm-hmm. Star Citizen is the only game that's actually managed to do that. Um, so I'm I'm thinking little things like the detail of how um, how the habs where you where you kind of wake up where you spawn into the game you know they've got all sorts of little details like opening doors and um <laughs> mini fridges and occasionally working coffee machines um yeah there's lots of little things there which which as a writer i'm going okay that's queuing me into the universe i'm already picking up clues as to how this what this universe is kind of put together so i know there's spaceships out there i know there's anti-gravity platforms and huge cities but also um, there were some really grungy places like Grim Hex. I went to visit Grim Hex and there's just like there's stains on the floor and dead bodies piling up and all this sort of stuff like that. Um, and then you've got these beautiful swishy places like Area 8, 18, um, 
and Microtech, which are all kind of smooth, white and things. And so you get instantly as a as a kind of writer, I'm getting the impression of, OK, so there's affluent parts here. There's there's CD, dun- you, know, you know, grungy parts. Um, the universe is clearly not a fair place. There's some haves and there's some have nots. So all of those little things are queuing me up as I'm watching the game to go. There's this. There's background here. There's context here. There is um, there's a story to be told. So that 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 is a big part of it. And I think the other thing that jumps out to me constantly is the um, what I call the physicalization of of the items that are in the game. So the idea for me that when I pick up a package from somewhere and have to deliver it, I physically have to go and get the package from somebody or or a place, and then I physically have to carry it back to my ship put it on my ship, fly my ship, pick up the package, drop it off somewhere and, and kind of dispose of it. Um, it's not just a menu mm-hmm. on a mission giver who could just click, yeah, mission complete, here's your credits kind of thing. It's it's so much more than that. Um, and it just makes you feel like you're part of this universe, which is which is a big step change, I think, in gameplay. You know, what I really like about Star Citizen, I think, is that, you know, you have to go and do the thing. You don't You don't use a menu to do the thing you do the thing um, mm. and the Moby glass is a very clever way of kind of integrating that into your experience. So those are the things that really drive me as, as different, I think from anything else I've played before. Uh, if you were to, uh, I was going to say one, one more thing before let's let this other question as well, but uh, uh, have you seen Lorville yet? Yes. Okay. Yes. I, w- I did go to Lorville. Yes. Uh, uh, I, haven't had a, I haven't had a good look around, but I have, I have been there. Yeah. Um, one of the cool things about Lorville that, uh, if you have a chance to, is notice that on the walls there's there's there are uh, air quality alert systems where yep. it tells you how the air quality is, and you'll see some people walking around with literally bags over their heads because they're supposed to be, and you can buy them too. They're supposed to be right. air filtration systems because of how bad the air okay. air quality is. Yep. So, and like the Hurstons themselves, I, I, and go ahead. Yeah. Sorry, I, I think I went to um, one place on Lorville, and we were standing on a, a, a small kind of veranda piece overlooking the. That pollution and there was a pipe above our heads which was just spewing what looked like yeah oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> i was like you i'm glad there's no there's from? no smell integration in this part of the game <laughs> um uh, the one of the things that that like i think lorville does a really good job of this is that if you go to the if you manage to there's actually a completely clean area of lorville called uh, the central business district and if you manage to go there, there's these giant gold statues of the of one of the founders of of Hurston Dynamics, the people who own the, the 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 planet, and like everything's like obsidian and like like smooth and different lang- angles, and everyone's in suits, and it's it's super clean, and it's like oh, yeah. so these are the people who run everything, and those are the the Porsche locks who have to work in this in this in this environment. So um, and then like there's a whole there's whole. I guess I was just to say that you can tell a lot about a universe based off just looking at it. Environmental storytelling is very, very key in Star Citizen. I think it's, a lot of it's very important. And, and, and Star Citizen is extremely good, uh, from what I've seen so far, at signposting you an emotional context to what you're looking at. So, like you say, when you go into Grim Hex, it feels unpleasant. It feels tense. It feels unnerving mm-hmm. in a kind of good way. But um, you know you're... You, you kind of know what you experience. Just the moment you step off and you suddenly see that the you know the, the one of the vision things, I think it basically just says it flickers. It basically just says network cable disconnected or something like that. Yeah. You just know nobody's touched that screen in like months because it's just not working. Uh, and and stuff like that is really really good at just setting a context. Um, and then you know, like I say, in Microtech, everything is smooth, white, and shiny, and the floors are polished, and there's holograms, and it you know it's it's mm-hmm. clearly a much more moneyed kind of place. 
Um, yeah, that is very, very, very compelling. That's very, very clever um, um, narrative and design construction in, in, in my eyes because it just it sets a tone and emotional vibe for for the part of the game that you're playing, which I think is very, very cool. Uh, last last thing, then we'll move on to this stuff because because I said the opposite. What would you like to see from Star Citizen in terms of ways that could increase increase the the either the the storytelling or the environment or the the narrative? What would you as 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 a player and as somebody who's you know writes for a living kind of thing? What would what are the kind of things you'd like to see develop out of Star Citizen that aren't there yet? It it's it's. I know some of these things are promised. I mean, the the one thing I always love in space games is the exploration side of things. So actually mm -hmm. kind of hunting out new stuff and cool stuff and going to visit new bits and pieces. So obviously with the single star system at the moment, obviously that's a limitation that we all know about. Um, just contrasting with Elite uh, for a moment, one of the things that is very good about Elite is that they've procedurally um, simulated the entire Milky Way galaxy with say 400 billion stars now they, it is procedurally generated which has its own limitations um but they have tried to do kind of good scientific principles so that you can actually kind of go to actual real places in the real galaxy if you see what i mean uh, mm. as part of your kind of expression now that is a very very cool thing um one of the mistakes however i think they made with that early on with elite is that they didn't do any pathfinding so the basically as the game opened the entire galaxy was open to you if you just had enough hyperspace fuel to kind of get you across and you had the patience which meant that the first person to reach the center of the galaxy actually happened before the game officially went live it was still in its gamma release which mm -hmm. i thought was a bit of a shame because what i was hoping to see in the game was you know somebody would have to pathfind the route first and then you know the tourists could kind of come after and the, the galaxy would slowly unravel and unlock you know, in a kind of fog of war sort of way um, and re require staging points to be built and you know, whatever you know, to be unlocked. So what I'm kind of hoping is, you know, with Star System, as it evolves and we get more and more Star Systems on the fringes, there's going to be an opportunity for players to say, well, we want to go to the next Star System, but there's no route there right now. There's no wormhole. There's no jump gate. Um, can we club together and build one? Do we need to do some sort of exploration to find out where the other end of it is? Um, and then we can slowly maybe unlock the galaxy together that to me would feel like a real kind of pioneering exploration focused kind of thing i'd like to see something like that i don't know if that's called yeah. cards but being able to unravel the galaxy bit by bit and piece by piece to me would be very very appealing i think i think that's uh you're you're, you're along with many people who've wanted the idea that uh because the way that travel works and at least inter inter-system travel works in star citizen is it's more like wormholes where there's pre-existing and so you just kind of have to find them, but sometimes they disappear. Yeah. So, um, and sometimes they're already there. Sometimes they're, they're, they're well trafficked. And so with, um, a lot of people have been asking, like as CIG adds new systems, sometimes they just say a new system is there. Good luck. And we don't know where it is. Yeah. yeah. Find, <laughs> go find the wormhole, go find the jump point, And then, you know, you, you'll be the first person to, to, to find it from, from you, you know? Um, so yeah, I guess that, yeah. I, I get that. Yeah, that's very cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's that's one thing. I think the other thing is is being able to make your mark in the universe. Um, one of one of the things I've enjoyed when I've been playing No Man's Sky, for example, is that I can land on the planet, you know, look at the weird critters that live on this planet, um, and then but I can I can build a base. I can mm -hmm. put down a base marker and I can say, right, I'm going to build a little homestead here while I'm just checking out this planet, and it feels like I've done something that you know 
I may never come back this way again in this procedurally generated amazing universe, but at least there's a there's a bit of me left in the game somewhere. That that I think for players, the ability to make some sort of mark on the universe is a is is a key compelling piece of gameplay that I, I think Star Citizen could uh, could look at. Awesome. All right. Now, Nick, who's been very patiently <laughs> nodding around <laughs> for this, we'll talk a little bit about the news this week. Um, I'm, I'm oh, not yeah. really going to discuss. I'll, I'll just say this right ahead to people who are wondering. I'm not really going to discuss the, the roadmap drama stuff for right now. We'll probably address it at some point in the questions and answers session. Um, but uh, like it's it's not something that I was really planning on discussing anyways. But there were some new some news as well. So, Nick, what are your your thoughts so far on ISC? Things that that stood out to you? Anything good or bad? The good that I like to see in um, Inside Star Citizen, the Gravlev, the the quad hover, hover quad. You know, I, I I love that thing so much. Seeing it, and I'm just kind of going around, um, but. I was kind of disappointed that they didn't say anything on like, where is it? When's it coming? It's in 316.1, but yeah. you have 316.1, but you still don't have it. And mm-hmm. it's just like, what's going on with this? <laughs> like, I have no idea what's going on with it. So I was kind of disappointed in that end, but I kind of find it funny of like, oh, man, I'm like, I'm just like kind of rocking back and forth. And I was like, give me the hover quad. What, it was did so you play fun it? in PTU. Did you play it? It was so fun in PTU. I loved it. I want okay. it. <laughs> I heard it fits into an, uh, a, a Titan. Does it fit into an Avenger Titan? The, the backside side side of it. Uh, it's tight, but yes, it does. Mm, okay. It's, it's um, it's a bit smaller than the Dragonfly lengthwise, but uh, yeah, it's got a little bit smaller footprint than the uh, Dragonfly, so it's in between like an ox and a Dragonfly. But awesome. uh, it's uh, it's good with no it shields, has, no, no, no shields, no shields, but, but no it has, weapons. It has cargo space. It has cargo space. Yeah. Okay. So it's. And it's it handles really well. It's fast. It handles well. It sounds like a pod racer. So I'm just <laughs> just give it to me. <laughs> but uh, um, I'm co- outside of that uh, on the uh, the other part of Inside Star System, which was the refueling, which is like the really big one. Uh, I think that looks great, and I think it's honestly great that they don't have a beacon for it immediately. And you're actually going to have to think about, you know do you want to actually give your position up to a stranger or try to reach out to friends and everything who can try to get to you first and actually make you think about maybe I should be more careful with how much fuel I have. So I don't you lose fuel while I'm out dog fighting or anything. And, and then I run out, I got to land and I got to get refueled or I'm out in space and I got to get refueled. You know, you really got to think about like, if, if I get someone to get my uh, position, what if they'd come to pirate me instead? And that's mm-hmm. the, the same. The same situation can happen with the beacon system, but the beacon system also has that reputation system built in with it. Whereas reaching out into the dark, it doesn't have that um, reputation system, so you don't know if who's coming friendly or not, and you have to weigh the risk of like, do I just like respawn now? Do I like try another escape? Do I go with friends? Do I go with um, org mates um, before I reach out to a uh, local chat to be like? I'm over here. I need help. Here's my location. <laughs> so I think that's really good. And um, one thing I like, there one really small detail that I really like to see inside Inside Star Citizen was the Moby Glass update. So the Moby Glass update, it looks super clean. Like you can, it looks very clean. It looks very much nicer to what we have now. And I'm hoping 
that it's not just the one page of the Moby Glass that looks like that, and it's an actual just a good general rework of the Moby Glass with the old, with yeah. the mix of the new and old tech. But because because we do know we were getting a new Moby Glass update at some point this year because they've been working on it. If you look, mm-hmm. if anyone looks at the the monthly reports, they've been talking about that significantly. So, um, I I don't I like the refueling. I and. I've, I often regale people with this the story of back in Daisy days. I was I was part of what it was called the the Reddit Rescue Force, which was just a bunch of people who were uh, would would someone would go on to like a, I think it was a Teamspeak, and uh, they would say, "Hey, I'm I've got a broken leg, and I'm at this location. Can someone hop into my server and help me?" And it was almost always a trap. Well, about fifty percent was a trap, but you kind of did it anyways because it's like fun. So you would grow with other people and you'd go to that location. You'd find the person who was injured. You'd give them what they needed. You say, hey, you need anything else? And they're like, oh, yeah, no, yes or no. And then you kind of give them what you need and you, you move away. And uh, I didn't play when when the fuel rats were active in. Um, in I was movie. rescued by the fuel rats personally. So yeah. I so, have experience there. <laughs> you, you know the fuel rats, right? Drew? Yeah, I, I deliberately had to. Um, engage them as part of the the law in one of my books because i thought i need the fuel rats in the story yeah so um i'm going to actually deliberately run out of fuel and then run through the process of being rescued by the fuel rats and then immortalize that in the book so they uh one poor chap who uh, i can't remember his name now i'm afraid but um ended up being the guy who got called out to me um in disguise because i didn't use my in-game name for that one and um yeah, he got immortalized in the story because he was the guy who just happened to be on duty that day and came out and rescued me. So it's it's pretty cool, but there's, it's a good service in the game. Yeah, I I think that's that's what we're going to see with Star Citizen at some point, with especially with the with the refueling coming in. So, and it's and that's that's sort of the thing. It's it's part partially it's you don't know if it's a trap or not, but there'll be people who'll be like, yeah, I got you. I'll come I'll come help you out and rescue you. Taking that risk, maybe I'll have a couple of escorts with me, and I, and I think it just. Anything that causes players to get together, anything that forces players to interact with one another to me is a huge yeah. thing in this game. So, And I'm sure there's going to be communities out there who are going to set up their own fuel rats for Star Citizen that will be legitimate and you can trust them. Mm-hmm. But on the immediate release, like it's a 50-50 shot if someone's going to try to rob you or not, and that's going to be a rush. until mm-hmm. you don't, You're going to be on edge until they leave and you're refueled and you can fly away. Um, the, the UI is, ah, it looks great. The, the new UI, the, the new UI for refueling system, the, the, the full, like, like it's, I'll say this, the refueling really makes me feel like it's the culmination of a bunch of other stuff that's been going on in the star citizens development. It starts to feel like all of the tools they've been putting together are actually starting to work. So, <laughs> um, uh, from the building blocks to the different fit, like particle physics and the, the gas cloud tech that they're doing and docking, all of those things are basically what we have with, with, with refueling that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, Xenothreat. Have you, have you played it, Nick? The new Xenothreat? A lot. Yep. <laughs> Good, bad. Uh, Honestly, I gotta say, outside of server performance uh, and just hearing contact over and over again, like mic spam, it's it's honestly been really good outside of the performance and the mic spam. I've been having lots of fun. I've personally just been playing solo 
And then just going to Rex and helping other people just load and then going back to my Gladius and then just going, go fight, 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 fight until I see the next one. Or I'll go and clear a wreck, get it ready, and then I'll tell crew, I need a cargo ship at this wreck I, with the Gladius parked starboard or port side. And I'll be like, and then like chat will be like, okay, we got a cargo ship coming on the way. And then I'll just like keep it there ready and I'll get boxes moving. And it's just been fun just to solo help out. And I have still made like tons of Alpha UVC to just doing that. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've made something like almost a million UEC just, just doing that, that, that mission. It's, it's great fun as well, especially with other people. Um, it feels good, but I, I'm also kind of at the point where I'm like, this is cool, but can it be dynamic now instead of being like you plugged, you plugged right. it in, you know? So I'm, uh, I'm interested to see with the dynamics of how they do Xeno threat in the future. So like say pyro comes in, Xeno threats on the other side of pyro and Mike L1 is in Crusader. So what yeah. what if they have a side where you could be Xeno threat side on Pyro and then the security civilian defense force side on the Crusader side and then like ha- both have like your prerequisite missions of pre- preparation and then the big fight in the middle by the jump gates. I mean, there's like when you start thinking of like the dynamic uh, mission system on how they can expand this and like expand missions like this it just opens a whole can of worms of like oh this is gonna be so good and it could be so good within a year and i just hope yeah. they do like yeah i i will it. i will say that when when i last played xenothread which was well i guess i played it the, the second time it came through but like it's, it's been a year since xenothread because the first xenothread came out around this time last year and uh, so this is like the third version of it. And uh, the performance is so much better now than it used to be. Uh, I remember playing it where it's like, you know, the, the, the spawn in of the Xenothread waves. It was like, oh, yeah, you know, we know they spawn because I got three FPS right now. And then it, it would eventually clear out and move their way through. But um, so I, I there's definitely some progress make, made there. But I definitely like I, like you said, I'd love to see, you know, more can you side with the Xenothread folks? Cause you know, especially if you want to live in pyro Xenothread is the main political like entity that controls the pyro system. They obviously hate the UEE and you know, this back and forth. It's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's cool, uh, but I want to see more. I want to see more. So, and if you have a chance, if you're watching this after the fact, it's live right now until Sunday. So make sure you check, check that out. Um, you know, if you're watching this on Sunday, it's probably still going on. So go to get that done. Um, I think so. the idea of being able to join a political organization in a game is is actually a really cool one because then it gives you a reason to have a bond with anybody who's not in the same political affiliation with you. Um, so you can, you know, if you want to role play, you know, you know, kind of xenophobic yeah. um, type of people, then that's fun to do, right? Um, and, and games are all about that kind of escapism and, and doing things that you probably wouldn't do in real life. Um, yeah, so if you want to, you know, join a sort of morally ambiguous bunch of guys and just go around, you know, slaughtering people, you know, that that's that's a cool thing to be able to do. And then but you can expect then other people to try and counter you who who want to role play a kind of, you know, a, a more sort of uh, you know, kind of traditional um maybe democratic kind of role. Yeah, I think I, yeah. think, I think that's really good if you can actually pledge your uh, loyalty to a cause and then you know they will give you missions and they yeah and there's consequences because then you know you know the, the mission system can then give you as your reputation builds better missions and more yeah. more lucrative difficult stuff. But of course if you want to build a reputation with the other side then you can't because clearly you're you know you're you're kind of double crossing and then you're a traitor and then maybe that 
busts your reputation with both sides. So unless you actually have a really, really cool way of becoming a double agent, uh, yeah, all those sort of things, yeah, it could be quite good fun. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's the reputation system. That's I think the the end goal of the reputation system, which is interesting with Star Citizen because that's the one thing I think a lot of people don't realize is that right now there is like criminal and non and like non criminal sides, and eventually they they're probably going to get get away with that, uh, go away with that. So it's less of a criminal non criminal side and more of who are you? Who have you really pissed off? And who yeah. likes you? And if and and if someone likes you, you may have pissed off somebody else because you know there's no way that this you know, these sides will like each other. Um, and, and that's kind of a refreshing idea. And, in, in you know, a gaming universe where you have like you like Skyrim, it's just one of those things that always drove me nuts. It's like, oh, yeah, you can be the leader of the Thieves Guild and the Assassin's Guild and the the Mages Guild. And the, the like you can do all be leader of every single one, including the sides that should be opposing one another. But you're the leader of all yeah. of them now. It's like, uh, uh I don't Let's like make that. make sense, does it? No, no. no. So, made that mistake as well, because um, you can you can do missions for you know, the Imperials and become a king. I think is their highest rank. Yeah, um, and you could do missions for the Federation and become you know kind of vice admiral in charge of this, that, and the other. Even though at the same time, they're and in contact like, with one another. No, that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that doesn't make sense. You know, if if you if you're high up in one organization, surely you're going to be a, a liability or at least a you know an assassination target for the other one. That would make more sense, and that's. That's not how it uh, unfortunately is at the moment. Yeah. So that's, that's what I'm hoping for as well, because uh, the thing about Pyro as well is that Pyro is, uh, it is a, uh, I think I have the best way of describing Pyro. Pyro is where people go who don't want to be part of the UEE, which isn't, you know, always exactly good. They're kind of an oligarchy. So um, they're not really democratic because you have to kind of, earned your keep within the, the empire in order to get your uh, status of a citizen, which means that you can uh, to, to vote. Often that means serving the military, which in times of war means you're going to die probably um, or have a high chance to. And yep. uh, so it's that kind of, you know, give and take. And uh, there's a lot of people in the star system universe who just don't want to be part of it. So they've kind of fled to the different systems, which aren't claimed by the UE because the UE doesn't have enough economic value for them to claim it. Pyro being one of them. And uh, so Pyro is this kind of land of many gangs. Um, So there's just small pockets of more like small nations that are kind of controlling different regions and are vying over the different resources that are possible. Um, So it's very, it'll be very interesting to see that the change people react to the change from being like, Oh, I am, I am a lawful character. I am an unlawful character to, Oh, I help these guys because they're running. They're running. Why am I getting attacked by everybody else? It's like because none of them like each other. <laughs> Get That's used right, to yeah, it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you'll find the I'm wrong just flag. Walking through town yeah. and this gang just jumped up on me. I don't know why. It's <laughs> like, well, who'd you piss off? It's like, oh, I helped this guy out, and it's like, oh yeah, they don't like him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, that's that's one and of that, those things. That, that, that is a that's a really nice kind of anarchic kind of thing because it means that any choices you make in the game have consequences, and I think. In any game, if you if the player by the doing the things that they do, maybe you know, early on, not necessarily even with full knowledge of what the repercussions might be, have consequences later on for them to go. Damn, I really shouldn't have done that shipment to that that dodgy planet right at home because now I'm in trouble with the navy or whatever it happens to me. That yeah. that's a really cool cool thing if you can if you can do it. Yeah, and and it's it's one of those things that I see CIGs trying to do, and it's one of those things where I, I, I it's kind of a refreshing kind of change, in the sense that I think it's going to require players to know the lore, 
in in a, in a weird yes. way. Yes. Which yeah, is yeah. which? Do your research on where the hell you're going first. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> you know who who am I taking this mission from? Because if I take the wrong mission from the wrong person, then I I may end up the home that I've they've made. You know, it's it's you know right now players are so much looking at just like the money. And, yep. um, you yep. know, one of those, one of the things I always like to, like, there's a example that I should put it, put out, which is you get a mission to do a, do a, do a high lucrative job in arc, arc corp. You do it, you make your money, you're good. You head back to my, to, to Grim Hacks where you're, you're home and they refuse you. They, they say, they basically tell you to piss off. You, you're not, you're, right, not you're not allowed to get. And you get confused. And, you know, what you didn't realize is the mission you took was from Tizia Pacheco, who is the leader of the Otoni syndicate, who has been moving into the area and trying to muscle in on all of the illegal activities. And there is another syndicate, which has been in the Stanton system for a long great time, which is headquartered out of Grimhex, backed up by the Ninetales, who don't like uh, Tizia and the Otoni syndicate. So if you did this big job, yeah, you got a lot of money, but then you ruined your reputation with your hometown. And now they're just like, you, yep. you literally, you literally just murdered a Lieutenant from the, from the nine tails. We're not going to let you land here anymore. <laughs> what do you think this is? Which, which again, to me, it makes it more interesting because it makes you think, it makes you think you sit there and go, yeah, that's a lot and of I money, think, think, but who's giving it to me? You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, then why is it so much money? Cause that sounds incredibly generous for maybe what's not such a, you know, so, you know it's, it's, you know, the thing, it's too good to be true. It probably is too good to be true. Or at least there's a, some strings attached that you may not have realized. And like you say, it forces, not forces, but it encourages people to get into the law. Um, and if you've got a rich amount of law and a way to access it, and that, those are the two things that you need to have. You have to have the law in the first place, but you've also mm-hmm. got a way to be able to get at the law in a gamey kind of way, rather than just, you know, I mean, I love, I, I love Wikipedia pages about the law, you know, and I'll go through those, but not everybody can do that. You, you need to be able to get the gist of it in the game somehow, um, either by overhearing conversations in the bar or, you know, snippets of things this, that show up. Um, you know, it, on the way to the mission, you go, oh, you know, I pity those poor guys who have got that mission to Art Corp because, you know, I wouldn't want to be in their shoes when they get caught. You know, things like that that get dumped in uh, into your car. They go, oh, damn. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you can go, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. You know, all that sort of stuff is really, really powerful. It gives um, sense and it brings the law alive because the law can be quite dry if you don't, you know, fill it full of, um, the, you know, interesting little bits and pieces and, and making that work in the game uh, is, is a real skill. But you know, it, it looks like they're trying really hard to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say that's that's the one thing that they're lacking in my, my opinion right now is that whole like contextual. There's a lot of lore, but it's all on websites and it's locked in behind a bunch of different other things. It's hard to it's hard to research. Uh, it's not even in like yep. a wiki format. It's like an off reference in a release, uh, like, like essentially a transcript of a video that doesn't exist. That's just, that's just like a, a lore bit. That's supposed to be like this show that everyone watches in the universe. And you're supposed to pick that up to understand that this imperator didn't do so well with this situation. It's like people like me, like, yeah, I'm down with yeah. it, but, but the average person <laughs> won't know about that or care about that. Like put it in the game somewhere and it, to make it give that con- contextual so that people aren't just, you know, Oh yeah, they they have the chance to like someone's like, hey, don't listen to Tisia, don't listen to Tisia, don't listen to Tisia. They took the mission and they said, what did we tell you? Don't listen to her. But you did it anyways. But they have to have like the know that sort of thing. So I am yeah. hoping they add in something like Galnet from Elite Dangerous, mm-hmm. where it's the new, where it's like sort of like the new show, but in Star Citizen with the FOIP and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure how they're going to do that, but I knew there's news fans and everything. So I'm hoping they do actual like in-game like news stories and they just paste it over like 
news bulletins on TVs inside the transits and stuff. That would be cool. Yeah, and just I, so you I, can just so you can get the news of like what's happening right now inside the verse. Yeah, the Gamlet was actually was actually a very good part of Elite Dangerous, and and in fact the previous version of Elite, which was a game called Frontier First Encounters back in the nineties, actually had multiple newspapers. I think there were five different newspapers in the game, and so you'd get when an event happened. It, it was only a single player game, so this this might be a harder thing to translate to an MMO style universe. But uh, what they had was they had uh, a federal newspaper, they had an imperial newspaper, they had a kind of. Um, uh, I, I don't know, kind of a sensationalist newspaper that just printed junk. Uh, they had a kind of techno-scientist newspaper. And, you know, these basically, when, when you did something in the universe, these papers would comment on it in with their slant. So there was no, this is the truth. This is the, you know, the Federation would say, dastardly, um, you know, underhanded villains have destroyed the XYZ on the planet. Why? Whereas the Imperial one would say, heroic heroic imperial agents have managed to uh, you know smuggle back an artifact that was stolen from us by the by the federation you know the sensationalist one would basically say something like um you know, you know some crazy stuff about you know personal ads and things like that and then the technical one would give you some more detailed background lorry stuff about what was actually going on that you could possibly trust but they weren't on the ball with all the kind of political um, shenanigans going on so there was there was things like that that um, you know, multiple sources, but not all of them trustworthy, or at least not trustworthy on the same level. So you kind of got right wing, left wing kind of newspapers commenting on on, on events. That that could be quite cool as well. Everything said the bit of truth, but never gave the whole story. Exactly. So you had to kind of uh, where do I sit on this one? Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, that's I, 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 it's hard to say this, but we've already been recording for almost an hour. So we're going to stop this, this session. We're going to move into the question and answer session. That was actually, I didn't feel like an hour. I just say that. So uh, yeah. Thank you all so much for, for joining us. Uh, If you're watching this on YouTube after the fact, we, we will be, we're going to just kind of take a quick break and then move right on to the questions and answers. So you will watch this question and answer later. Um, and the next day afterwards, if you're watching this on Twitch, ask questions, use a little coin act- icon. You can ask questions to me, to individual, to e- either Nick or to Drew, to all of us in combined. Um, just try to make it something that we can answer, you know, or, or you want to hear us from, make it interesting. And um, yeah, like I said, oh, make sure you're, you're following Nick. Make sure you're watching him live on Twitch. Make sure you're watching Drew and buy his book. Um, this is the first time I've had to say that on Captain's Table, buy, buy his books. Uh, <laughs> he makes things go get them yes uh, <laughs> and and i have had multiple people who have been in my chat and in my community have said that like your books are the best part of elite dangerous and your 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 contributions oh, are the best parts of, of elite <laughs> dangerous so um excellent so you look up the drew 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 uh wager Drew Wager uh, on uh, Amazon or or on the the elite the elite store the Frontier store or any of that kind of stuff. So buy all of the books, um, and like I say every time, hope to see you someday in the black. <laughs>